1: Okay, DeLon, we're going to start with a controversial spicy topic. <laughs> okay. Is it biopic or bio, biopic? Wait, is it biopic? <laughs> or, no, does she know? <laughs> My brain just, is it biopic or biopic?
0: And like It's brain breaking. It really is. Yeah, like
1: it, like try, <laughs> trying to say it the wrong way, I'll say it. Trying to right. say it the wrong way is hurting me. Uh, what do you think it is? I,
0: I really do think it's – I mean, I always thought it was biopic because it's a combination of two words, biographical and picture. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, biopic sounds like like an ointment like you'd see advertised on, like, you know, daytime TV. Like, mm-hmm. a biopic, mm-hmm. it may cause a skin rash, diarrhea, and your pelvic floor <laughs> to fall out, but, you know, your teeth will be white. What is,
1: <laughs> what is that voice? Okay, no, it's dev- – I think it's biopic – because biopic sounds like a multiple choice selection on a biology test or like a or like a fancy microscope that takes a picture of whatever you put in it. Your face is telling me. No, you- no, no,
0: no, no. My face is actually saying like, <laughs> I've never thought about that. Absolutely. It's spot on. And I was it my, like, what? My face was also saying like, that was something that Kodak should have invented.
1: Listen. <laughs> I hate to, listen, hate to call back to that. but Look at you taking different... Topics from our (laughs) podcast and putting them together. I guess it's truly a tomato tomato situation. Personally, I just love when you combine two words to make a new word. It just like scratches a special part of my brain.
0: Girl, you're speaking my nerdy language. Like, what what is that called when Mm, it's called a
1: portmanteau? Oh. (laughs) <laughs> I think a that's what Port, it's called. A, yeah. Some people incorrectly say pun, uh, which is just like a play on words. But when you uh, put the two words together, it's a portmanteau. I I think I looked up what it meant. It's something about, uh, something about like a suitcase, something about being able to put lots of things together and, and, and have more space. Uh, I, I don't have exactly what the explanation is, but, um, yeah, two words, put them
0: together. A portman too. Uh, it sounds like a po man's toe. <laughs> a po man's toe. A rich man's toe can afford the rest of the word and just call it a biographical picture. But a po man toe. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess so. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't want to get on my word. My word, girl, soapbox because you know she's a writer. Um. But I think it's really funny that we use portmanteaus all the time in English. Like um, spork is one that you probably – A spork,
0: yes. A spoon and a fork. Totally. Yeah, there's a
1: bunch of them. Um, nair. Did you know nair was a – was No. A, no hair. Nair.
0: Look at these marketing people. That's kind of brilliant.
1: I know. Okay, then there's a bunch for like manly stuff like mansplaining and metrosexual mm. um, uh, and manscaping. And then <laughs> – which is also so sad because it's like – Men, you're the problem. We need to like make these special words for you. We
0: clearly do because you you're a small, small being who who has no like uh backbone. I don't know.
1: Yeah, like your fragility is is gonna fall apart if you. I don't know, like
0: if you shave
1: your pits. I don't or like know. wear a
0: tight jean.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. Wait. Did you do you remember when they were talking about the romp him?
0: It was. Oh romp- my god! These people. <laughs> Here's the thing like some like it just goes too far, right? I is is romper? Is that even a a portmanteau? No,
1: romp no, romper is just like a clothing item, but they were like we got to make it a romp him, which I I or, don't know.
0: Um or, Oh my god, I can't. Um uh, what is the oh, Fohawk Yeah, that's a Uh, good one. That made me think of that.
1: Yes, Um, a a fake faux, a fake mohawk. Then there's also um, this was one I didn't realize. Velcro is velvet and crochet.
0: Oh wow! Because Velcro is. it I guess that's like the, Yeah.
1: Isn't wow. that so interesting? Oh, see, yeah. see, some
0: of them are like awe-inspiring. You're like, oh God, good job, humans. And other yeah. ones you like romp him and you're like, shut <laughs> the fuck up. Sit down, and get out of here.
1: Okay, wait. I have um I have a little portmanteau that I really want to take off. So maybe you can help me uh get it off the ground. It's never it's never worked. I haven't gotten anyone to use it yet.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm ready. What is it? I'm already okay. laughing. <laughs> I'm already laughing.
1: Okay, it's procrastinate. It's when you've got a deadline, but instead of getting to it, you just you know rub one out and do <laughs> it yourself.
0: Uh yeah. Well, it's it's for me. It's like cleaning, and then I do laundry, and then I'll like, and then I'll jerk off to avoid all the things that I'm supposed <laughs> to.
1: <be done. laughs> always like i have a deadline but i could just squeeze this one thing in before i get to work
0: and then you're like and then you take a 30 minute nap preceding <laughs> it and you're like oh okay well
1: yes oh i'm so glad that i could bless you with that and that you're on board
0: yeah no i'm ready oh wait wait no no no, uh, no, no. Listen, uh, listen listen
1: listen <laughs> <laughs> wait wait wait
0: <laughs> i hate you for that uh-
1: Let me fix it. Welcome back to Let Me Fix It, the podcast where we go back in time and do our best to right history's wrongs. I'm Francesca Ramsey.
0: And I'm Delon Grant. And today on Let Me Fix It... We dug into the biopic biopic of it all, and we're thinking who deserves a, a movie version of their life that doesn't have one yet. We're digging into the life and, of icon and Hollywood legend that absolutely de- deserves her own biopic, Miss Eartha Kitt, today
1: oh my god she absolutely deserves one if not for the iconic memes alone my favorite clip of her is when the interviewer interviewer is asking her about compromising for a man and she just starts cackling oh, <laughs> in
0: his face like in dead ass in his face if a man came into your life wouldn't you want to compromise
1: <laughs> stupid <laughs> a man comes into my life and I have to compromise? You must think about that one again. Why would you even fucking ask me that? Honestly, I want to know what led up to that moment. I want to know all of the things that were inspiring it. Because you know some drama was behind that cackle. Absolutely. Uh, she absolutely deserves a life, a, a movie of her life.
0: And I'm, I'm kind of mad, honestly, that ha- one hasn't been produced yet. Mm-hmm. So... Who better to figure it out than us? Yes. Let's dive into the life of the one and only Eartha kit So Eartha Mae Keith was born in a small town. It's called North South Carolina. A little confusing, but she was born in <laughs> North South Carolina on January 17th, 1927.
1: Oh my God, wait, I have to jump in. North South Carolina is so confusing. It's so I've backward. Never heard of that before. But then also Eartha Keith.
0: Yeah, isn't that crazy? So yeah. and it, her, her last name, Keith, wasn't actually a purposeful alteration to Kit. Mm. It was just the product of the way Southerners pronounced Keith, which is interesting. Oh, um, that's
1: so weird. And that's- I, wow.
0: I have an Uncle Keith, or had an Uncle Keith, may he rest. And uh, my... my Grandmother's originally from North Carolina, and I and you know I'm from Providence, so we have our ho- own accents that I you know paid a lot of money to get rid of. Um, but uh, we called my uncle Keith, Uncle Keith, like it was like K I T. A key. Oh,
1: wow. It was just
0: a way of shortening it. So, so you're
1: I, basically Eartha Kitt's cousin.
0: <laughs> kinda. Kinda. Give me the Put money. him in the movie. Okay. He's an actor, bitch. Um, <laughs> so the interesting and sad thing is Ertha knew nothing of her father save for the fact that she, he was white and that she was probably conceived by rape, which is a oh, wow. hard start to your life. Uh, she was told as a child that she was the son of the farm owner's son uh, and her mother was a sharecropper on this farm.
1: Okay, interesting. So, you know, in our researching, we found an interview promoting her 1976 autobiography where she recounted how her mother gave her away to another sharecropping family to care for her at the age of around five or six because the man her mother wanted to marry told her, ooh, I don't want that yellow gal in my house. Crazy. Lord, because she was mixed black and white. This is one of the first times that Ertha experienced colorism. And in that interview, she said, being the wrong color, you're not wanted by the blacks, and the whites couldn't care less. And in her new household, she was physically and sexually abused and eventually treated, as she recounts, as a work mule by the family. Lord,
0: what a – and, I mean, to start that way and then be the success and the icon she yeah. was, man. Oh, my
1: God. I mean, just just truly a, a triumph. So uh, she eventually went to live with her mother's sister, Aunt Mammy, in Harlem, New York. And according to Eartha Kitt, her aunt's reasoning for bringing her to New York was a sense of charity. I think that she brought me up north out of a Christian duty because she got a letter from the South that told her if I wasn't taken from this family, but they would either starve me to death or beat me to death or work me to death. And therefore, she decided to take me on and to New York, but she wasn't any better. She was also abusing me. Lord, I, mean, I just like – this is this is heartbreaking and I genuinely – was not I mean I, I guess maybe you should know just considering the time period
0: right right but to
1: like hear it laid out is is really heartbreaking so to get away from her aunt she remembered constantly running away and she would ride the subway all night long uh, and according to her, from one end of Manhattan to the other until daybreak.
0: Wow. Man. I mean, gosh. I mean, what a way to start this with, like, talking about this epic woman in, like, such a sad way. But again, it does – it, like, it's heroism, right? It, to yeah. be it's able to – rags to,
1: to riches. I'm
0: um, the actual definition. Um, I watched this really raw interview in our research, um, and it had me in tears. Uh, this terrible interviewer, a television host named Terry Wogan from a bygone era, is trying to pin Eartha down as this sultry, tawdry tease of a woman, and he asks her if, if she thinks the reason she's extroverted and looking for attention is because she's looking for affection. Lord. She, <laughs> in the true Eartha kit. Form responds with the duality of her persona she says I'm not an extrovert I can tease this Eartha kit, but it's Eartha May forget it um, she then goes on to talk about being an ugly duckling she's like that little ugly duckling was always, always told she was an ugly duckling nobody wants you and she's just trying so hard to find somebody that says Eartha May it's alright you're wanted too but she keeps hoping. I'm like, wow. oh man, it's,
1: it's so wild when like someone who's known as beautiful and known as a sex symbol says like, "I've never felt pretty." It's just like this mind fuck of like, the patriarchy comes for all of us. Even I'm the person you. who you're like, you're beautiful and successful. They're like, I, I'm ugly. <laughs> like,
0: you're like the definition of it, right? Actually, you are, you are literally se- the poster.
1: You are the sex symbol, like, iconic goddess. And, again, that doesn't negate how she feels about her or has ever felt about herself. But it really puts into perspective that this is something that we're all struggling
0: with. And, you know, I hope I, – I would think and hope that it would give us a sense of solace and that we're not alone. But, like, I mean, life is, a, you know – Life of solitude in so many ways yeah, <laughs> and your God. own psyche. Um, I'm going to talk about this interviewer again because he really made me mad. He goes on to ask her if if she's ever been shown love by a man. Um, and she again, Earth of Fashion, slays him with the truth. She says, she pauses, thinks, and then she says, A man has always wanted to lay me down, but he never wanted to pick me up. Ooh. And the men that did have real love and affection for me were the ones that never touched me. Ah, uh, wow. I mean So
1: the straights ain't fucking with you, but the gays they are <laughs>
0: Okay. Talk about it though. Talk about
1: Taylor's oldest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she said Tail as old as time. it's so true. It's so true. Wow. Um I just wanna reflect on on her giving us proverbs left and right all the time and wow. how, you know, men are trash. Um which but, but I, I live and die by that quote. Yeah. Like A man has always wanted to lay me down but never wanted to pick me up. Like, that is so real, right? Yeah, Um, it's it's so real. It it cuts to the truth of it. It cuts to her truth. I mean, I live and die by that girl. And and sadly,
1: a universal experience and truly, like, a great encapsulation of how smart she was, how honest and how biting Mm. she could be. And that she... Knew herself and her self worth in the face of Hollywood, white America, and the patriarchy telling her otherwise, and that is incredibly inspiring.
0: I mean, and fucking iconic. And to your point about Hollywood, the other thing I wanted to unpack is is when she talks about the duality of her personas, about being mm-hmm. Eartha Eartha Kit and Eartha May. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, I think actors fall into this a lot and I'm totally biased, but I think we run into Hollywood putting you in your lane. Yeah. Um, you play certain types of characters, right? Like uh, Sandra Bullock is the funny ingenue. Will Smith is the the heroic father. Tom Cruise, the the
1: Scientologist. Heroic- <laughs> Brainwash us. Oh, wait, sorry. I mean,
0: I'm so- <laughs> listen, Les, I mean Will Smith too, but <laughs> if, if we want to talk about it. Morgan, okay. Let's be real. <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> you may try to break out of that lane that Hollywood puts you in, but they tend to keep you in a box. Mm -hmm. And and please speak up because I don't have a vagina, but women, I think, often fall into this and it happens so much more about you all being sexualized. And then when you try to kind of take some agency around that sexuality, that lane you've been put in, um, they... Label you sex, sexy, tawdry, tease, loose woman because you're then employing your sexuality. And Eartha Kitt was employing her sexuality. She was playing the box that they put her in and just trying to pe- cash a check. You yeah. know, she was laying. It no, the you're check.
1: so right. It's very much like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like right. if you're, and you know, like we all, to your point, like play the roles that we're given and you can either use it to your advantage or you get stuck in it. But it is that dichotomy for women, especially where like, if you're ugly, like everyone's gonna shit on you. But mm. if you're pretty, then everyone's gonna shit on you. But like <laughs> if you're and then like if you're pretty, you can't know you're pretty. Because yes. like play it down. Like how dare you like yourself, right? Ooh. But then if you're ugly and you like yourself, people are like, you're not you're ugly. Shut <laughs> up. You you can't think you're hot. It's like what are you? want from me
0: (laughs) it's so funny i mean this is slightly related but that the you posted something on social and then you reposted something to me like and you're bald and you were like (laughs) okay
1: yeah (laughs) yes i am bald yeah it's it is again like the bald thing or the like you're too sexy thing or you have a bad body or you're fat or whatever it is it's like you can't be anything outside of like society standards and if you yep. do fit in society standards somebody's going to shame you for it right. and so it's all the more reason to just again it's easier said than done just like do what it is you're going to fucking do because because it's never and then like add on to it the gets of the world if you embody multiple marginalized identities don't mm. you dare be black and like yourself Yo. don't fucking start
0: for real for real do you know <laughs> don't you do that for? I talk about being put in a box and being put, in, right? Yeah, we're, it's just like, we're allowing you to be at the table. Thanks.
1: Hello. You. And it's it's really that thing of like society really saying, like, if I think less of you, you're not allowed to like yourself. Mm. You can't. You're fat, so you gotta hate yourself. And then a fat girl wears a crop top and people lose their fucking minds. It's like People are allowed to like themselves even if you don't like them. Well, and
0: there's the, the, – friend, you're hitting on the, the nail on the head there. It's that you don't like you yeah. and so you're judging somebody else for liking themselves. Like that is it. the real psychology of it. We are only scratching the surface here, friends. Before we dig into the professional career of this icon and, and why she has an icon status, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. And we're back. I want to talk about why Eartha Kitt is an icon. She's one of the few artists whose career spans almost all performance disciplines. It feels like the only thing she doesn't do is play an instrument. I mean, she might. Who knew? She might have.
1: Yeah. I mean, she really was one of the few artists that was doing theater, TV, film, music, cabaret, Mm. and was nominated for almost all of the major awards. She was nominated for three Tony Awards, two Grammy Awards, two Emmys, Truly the definition of a versatile American treasure, and she got her first professional break in 1943 when, on a dare, <laughs> now that, this is killing me, she auditioned and earned a spot on the Katherine Dunham Dance Troupe. Before the age of 20, Kit had traveled the world with the troupe as a dancer and vocalist, while in Paris she was spotted by a nightclub owner and hired as a featured singer at the club. This is truly, like this is a movie, right? They're like I dare dare you to join that dance troupe.
0: (laughs) And like the rest of it writes itself, you know what I mean? Also (laughs) like, like, come on. This stuff doesn't happen anymore. Like, You know, just being tripped tripping over a career, like that's so crazy.
1: Nobody wants to watch a movie about how you went viral on Instagram and then you got a movie <laughs> deal, you know? Right. Uh, so she's in Paris. She's spotted by night- nightclub owner and was hired as a feature singer at the club. The famed director Orson Wells first saw her performing in that Parisian nightclub and he was thoroughly taken by her. So he cast her as Helen of Troy in his film, Dr. Faustus in 1950. He would later go on to call her the most exciting woman in the world.
0: God that, damn! Like and,
1: I, I need somebody to say that about me.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I'm so conflicted about by this quote. Like I love that. Like mm-hmm. I love that he saw that about her. But the patriarchy of it all, right? I yeah, the, right. the idea that this white man had to say, had to give her value, but it's but also but,
1: casting her as Helen of Troy. Like, look at you, colorblind casting
0: uh, in 1950.
1: Like, come on, let's go. Orson Welles was
0: ahead of his time.
1: Listen, and you know we're not about to be handing out cookies to white men on this show. But at the same time, like, that is a big freaking deal.
0: It's huge. It's huge. And it makes me want to go watch Dr. Faustus now. I yeah. probably will fall asleep, but I'm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, two years after Dr. Faustus, uh, she was cast on Broadway in a musical review called New Faces of 1952 alongside the legendary writer, producer Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks was a, an actor at the time. Oh, wow. The review became a film in 1954, which was when she first recorded the iconic song Santa Baby. I had
1: no idea. She, I, she's I the no first idea. person to
0: record that. No idea. Wow. wow. Um, and, that would and then become...
1: Columbus. And then Columbus by Maryland.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I love that that's a fucking verb. <gasps> Columbus by Maryland, Totally. So she recorded Santa Baby. And that song would be synonymous with her and her career for the rest of her life. Um, the notoriety of Broadway actually landed her a recording contract. Mm. Um, I didn't know this. Or I thought this was really... Amazing. She evidently sang in upwards of 10 different languages wow. throughout her life and career. She spoke French and German fluently, um, and she learned that from her travels. Um, just some other really quick theater bullet points for her. Uh, her next big Broadway show was Miss Patterson, and she received her first Tony Award nomination with, with that show. And then she had a string of uh, sh- movies with some of the m- amazing stars of her day. Mark of the Hawk was with Sidney Poitier. Uh, Anna Lacusta was with Sammy Davis Jr. Um, Saint Louis Blues with Nat King Cole. That fine daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, I
1: mean, she had a string of, of handsome co-stars,
0: okay. and they never touched her. Okay, um, I know the role that she would be most remembered for is obviously. <laughs> Catwoman. <laughs> she played Catwoman in the TV series Batman. She replaced Julie Newmar, but it was Kit's signature growl oh, that made the role forever fun- synonymous with her.
1: Oh wow! Okay, wait. So isn't Julie Newmar's name from the Two Wong Fu? Thanks for everything, Julie exactly. Newmar.
0: Exactly. Thank you for the reference. I. Ow. I didn't think many people would get it, but I'm so glad that you pulled that out. Yep.
1: Oh my God, I really did. But also I'm just thinking, poor Julie Newmar. She's been reduced to a movie title because she got replaced in this role. I think of Eartha Kitt as Catwoman, but to know that she replaced somebody else and then became like the face of Catwoman, that right. really speaks to her talent.
0: I, I would I would say like that is always the move. Like if you're replacing somebody, like don't feel like your second fiddle. Put mm-hmm. your own stamp on it. Add a growl, girl. Ow. Add a growl, <laughs> and it'll change the whole thing.
1: Oh my god! Well, and you know this is really interesting because you kind of had a similar situation where you replaced a character on Broadway, and like, real, and you know, and no shade to the guy you replaced is very talented, but you really made the role your own. And I remember when you got the part, you were like, "I don't know," like, yeah, kind of having a little of those inadequacy feelings of like I'm stepping into someone else's shoes. So look at you, and Eartha, you got a lot in common, Delon.
0: Basically, you're saying that I'm going to get two Tony nominations, two Grammy nominations, and two. <laughs> Emmy nominations. <laughs> Listen, um, put it's it so, in the universe. This also just goes to uh, a testament to like who we are as people mm-hmm. and how similar we are. I I've now had two thoughts that I didn't say, <gasps> and you said them the Julie Newmar one and my my Broadway credit replacing. Like you brought oh that up, God, and I did not
1: Delon, even say. Step into your power. Add a little <laughs> gr. Anytime you think about saying something and you don't want to say it, just just get that Eartha Kitt growl in you. And then just say it. <laughs> that, no, not like that. That's, <laughs> that sounded like you were drooling.
0: <laughs> I might have been. I might have been.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, back to Eartha. I found this really interesting. In 1968, she was blacklisted in the U.S. Wow. for speaking out against the Vietnam War at a luncheon with the First Lady, Lady Bird Johnson. Also, First Lady Named Lady, uh, you're doing a little bit too much. A little on the nose for me. (laughs) (laughs) So because of that, Eartha Kitt had to work abroad until 1974 when she was able to book a return concert at Carnegie Hall. Um, I mean, truly just like really, again, speaks to knowing yourself. The fact that speaking out against Vietnam could get you blacklisted. In hindsight, it's like, no, Vietnam was a bad idea. It was a (laughs) terrible idea. We had no business fucking being over there. And it hurt her career so much so that she, you know, had to leave the country. She also went on to write several books, two of which were autobiographies. I guess when you've lived as many lives as that little kitty has, uh, two autobiographies. Auto bodies. I mean, I'm going to try and make a Portman do yeah, here and it's not yeah. fucking working. Two <laughs> autobios are warranted. I mean, whatever, I tried.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm proud of you for trying. I give you that. I give <laughs> you that. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Okay, but Talon, what we're really here to unpack is why this titan of live performance, TV, and culture in general – doesn't have a biopic. Come on. So we're about to dig into who we would cast as Eartha Kitt if she was to take to the big screen right after this message. So we will be right back. And we're back. It's time for the fix. Let me. Let me fix it. Uh-uh. Let, Let me, me fix it. Uh. In this episode, we're going to talk about, you know, a biopic for Miss Eartha Kitt. Delon. Who would you cast to play her?
0: Ooh. Well, I, let's first say this. We should mention that according to imdb.com, a biopic of sorts has been in the works. Mm-hmm. IMDB says there, it's in pre-production. It's called um, uh, C'est Si Bon. C'est si bon? Mm -hmm. I don't speak French, but uh, (laughs) it means uh, it is so good in French. And I just want to say what it's characterized as on IMDb so that we make sure we're getting that in. It's a filmic choreo poem, a journey Mm -hmm. through the life of Eartha Kitt, one of the truly global stars of the last century. Eartha Kitt, si bon, follows Eartha's life from from her earliest days through her death. The major events which shaped her unique character are addressed in a presentation which focuses on Eartha's in inimitable artistic expressiveness somewhat vague but i guess i'm ready for it
1: yeah okay and they have cast an actress named ashley olivia jones as ertha but that is not going to stop us from doing what we do here on let me fix it we're still going to do our fan
0: casting are we about to fix it anyway let's hear it My fix is a Broadway actress that many people might not know, may not know. Um, Her name is Rebecca Naomi Jones. She is best known for her work uh, in the Tony award winning musical passing strange, which was, I forget what year that came out, but it was tectonic plate shifting for me. It was the first Mm. time I saw black people telling, tell, you know, our connection about being black kids in a very white place, having that experience. It's very that. And so it, you know, you can watch it on Netflix if you'd like. Um, but she was also in the last revival of Oklahoma that was on Broadway and pandemic Oh, pre-pandemic. I saw that. And you did, right? Which was weird, but you liked it, didn't you? I
1: liked it. It was weird, but I I liked it.
0: I fucking loved it. She played um, Lori, she, so she was the female lead. Oh. Okay.
1: Um,
0: so she's my first choice because not only is she a live performer, which I think is so import- important first and foremost um, – with playing someone like Eartha Kitt, but she's also a transformative actor, and I think you have to—I don't know—when you're playing somebody that's that you know we all know, we can run back the tape and look at her movies, look at her TV shows, look at her interviews. You have to kind of be transformative. You have to be able to mm. transform into that person. So, uh, Rebecca Naomi Jones, you are my Eartha. Who's your pick, Fran?
1: Okay, so this is kind of a wild pitch, but I'm going to say Kiki Palmer. Mm. Hear me out. I know she's not mixed race but Hollywood loves casting mixed girls in roles where they clearly have two black parents so why not switch it up and let one of us play a mixed girl
0: talk about it talk about it
1: <laughs> okay that is the future that this liberal wants hello okay mm-hmm. so here's the thing I think that Kiki has the sex appeal but mm-hmm. she's also mischievous and bold in a way that feels like Ertha. and she can sing and she can do lots of voices yes. so I feel like she would really nail the Eartha the iconic snarl and <laughs> like, I just feel like she would do a good job with that
0: I like that choice I also like that choice because Kiki Palmer is is such a, a force a personality yeah. and I would love to see her and and she plays herself really well she mm-hmm. does comedy really well um, I would love to see her play something that that someone that is grounded that requires her to do some like drama drama. yeah yeah yeah. we
1: know her we know she's funny but i really but you can always tell because she's so quick on her on her feet yes you can tell she could give us real drama and range Mm -hmm. and i'm ready for kiki to step into her like future egot status like i I kind of can't believe it hasn't happened for her yet but she is just so talented and she deserves all the awards um, I also want to just say, this, we didn't talk about this, but I also think like an Eartha Kit, like Fenty lingerie collab could be.
0: Ooh, really Ooh, cool. that is brilliant! Right, Rihanna, are you listening?
1: Rihanna, are you listening?
0: Papa, <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me? Um,
1: I right, like can you yeah. see like, and they could be like kitty themed like oh, little yes. cats or something or like and you
0: can like do a throwback thing where like it's very it's like feathery and boa yes. it's like for like a certain like a certain um section of the, yeah. the collection right yeah
1: mm. i just feel like it would be and even like um like a little leather cat mask or something yes ooh like,
0: just add a of, little bdsm to it
1: yes yes give us a little eyes wide shut kind of moment yeah. with eartha i just feel like That would be very sexy.
0: I think that's very smart.
1: All right. So now it is time for our very favorite segment, the glow up. This is where we shout out those who have turned themselves around without our help. Um, uh, Are you okay with me going first?
0: Yeah. Dig in.
1: Okay. So my glow up goes to Rebecca Black. Do you remember Rebecca Black? No. Do you remember that music video Friday that everybody was making fun of in like 2011? It's Friday, Friday, and it was like this girl with dark hair. You don't no, remember? No, I don't
0: remember any of this. No.
1: Oh my god! Okay, so this was a music video that went super viral in 2011, and it was. Highly received as negative, it was. It was parodied by all these different artists. It amassed like 167 million views. Wow! And was being made fun of by like Tosh and like. Comedy Central, like all these people were making fun of this video. And it was starring a 13-year-old girl named oh, Rebecca no. Black. It was made by this um, studio called Arc Factory or something like that, where basically like you could pay money and this guy would write you a song and you could make a music video. Mm. It was all kids. So it was all children. But for whatever reason, the song went super viral and it was just bad. The song was not good. Mm-hmm. It was cheesy. We should put a clip of the song in here. I feel like if you hear the song, you might remember it. 7
0: a.m. waking up in the morning. Gotta be fresh. Gotta go downstairs. Gotta have my bowl. Gotta have cereal. and everything. The time is going. Ticking on and on. Everybody's rushing. Gotta get down to the bus stop. Gotta catch my bus
1: But I think what's really interesting is this girl was bullied so heavily as a child. I mean, she was only 13 years old. And now here we are. She's actually released uh, her first studio album at the oh, age sure. of 26. And it's actually gotten some critical praise. Like, people are really into this. It kind of has, like, an electro pop sound, kind of like a Charlie XEX. So it's, like, mm. sing-talking. Like, not, yeah, I you know, mean, she's not giving you
0: vocals. <laughs> that's the but... way of pop music these days, right?
1: <laughs> Listen, I'm not mad at her. You know, she said, y'all are gonna talk shit about me, but I'm not going out without a fight. And she actually, this summer, has been opening for Blackpink, which is, like, a huge K-pop group. Good for and her. I know. I, I just think that's so cool and it's so interesting because we talk so much about like positivity and you know bullying is bad but in 2011 everybody was okay with bullying this little girl she was 13 years old and she just became a huge meme i mean everybody was doing parodies everybody was making fun of her and uh, she had a big dispute with the record company that made the song because she wasn't making money off of it. it oh, wow. It did 167 million views. And, you know, she didn't upload the video. The people from the record, whoever made the record, uploaded it. And so it's just so cool that she didn't get discouraged. And right. she still said, I'm, I'm going to, you know, try my hand at it. And she's really built a, a lane for herself. And I just think that that's really cool.
0: You know, it's really uh, – you, you made me think of something when you were talking about bullying, the bullying of it all. I think there's – you know, bullying is obviously terrible. I don't wish – I don't say this all the time. I don't wish teenager on my worst enemy. Mm-hmm. I don't wish middle school and high school on my worst enemy because it's really rough, especially for the majority of kids, right? But. To your point, the bullying on the internet has mm. just been allowed until yeah. recently, where we started talking about social media and all that kind of stuff. But the idea that like the internet was just is still so much of the wild, wild west. The idea that you're seeing something and you're like, oh, I can take this and I can make it a joke, yeah. and instead of thinking about the person behind the material, because I guess the point is you're putting yourself out there, so it's all fair game. Yeah. But lest you remind us she was a 13 year old kid uh, yeah. and, and and the world was just like yeah we're going to make all the fun of you and you can do nothing about it. It's kind
1: yeah of I mean honestly I'll, I will call myself out here. I sometimes you know will go back and forth with somebody on Twitter and then you go to their page and you're like you're a 10 year old. You're a child. <laughs> like, we're all like using literally. <laughs> no li- literally you're a child like and they'll be in your mentions like yeah you bald headed bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that everyone <laughs> thinks that like they're gonna come for you and you're gonna be like oh my god my feelings and you're like I, you know I actively chose to shave my I, you head. Know, this was a personal choice. <laughs> like at some point
1: it's so funny it happens to me all the time and it's not even just the bald thing. Like they just start listing facts about me. They're like, "Yeah, that's why you ain't got a man, and that's why you live alone in a big ass apartment with all that paint on the walls. You got a little dog with a weird looking mouth." I'm like, "Yes, all of this is true." <laughs> like I'm, not,
0: I'm dying.
1: My feelings are not hurt by
0: it. Like, but but thank you for like breaking down my identity. Thanks, appreciate it. It's so dumb.
1: It's so funny. But I was gonna say, we are on the internet with children and it's really easy to forget that and, and and not that bullying should ever be okay right like you know an adult can get the smoke like and they right. absolutely deserve it but you forget again and i forget sometimes that kids are using the internet and this is a really Pivotal, pivotal time where they are so easily influenced and, mm. and can have these experiences that go on to like fuck them up for the rest of their lives you know and mm. like just to think about Rebecca Black again I, I'm, I'm so glad I've never been in that situation but I've had my own taste of negativity on the internet as an adult
0: that yeah. fucked me up
1: to think about being a child and watching late night shows and everyone's making fun of you, like mm. grown ass adults are making fun of you. It's just, it's just bonkers. I, I, I can't imagine having like the self-confidence to say like, fuck that. I'm going to come back anyway.
0: Yeah. You know, that this is like a really great example of a, of a glow up friend. She really did. She came back and was like, you know what? I've, I've built myself back up and you know, here's more music. Hell yeah. Um, uh, what's so, your glow up? Yeah. So mine is actually, uh, I was a huge SWV fan.
1: Same.
0: Okay. Um. I'm so into you.
1: I'm so into, and then uh, I get so weak, weak in the knees. The knees uh,
0: the- oh, the jams, the jams. Yes. So I was also a big Escape fan. So for the Gen Zers listening, or anybody <laughs> who don't know these groups, uh, SWV and Escape were two. Girl bands, it's so weird to call them girls. Bands, but yeah. Two bands um, in the 90s that were huge. Uh, and I think they respectively broke up in like 98 and 99. Mm. Um, but they have a new reality show on Bravo called Queens of RB. Oh my and god. You friend, you know I don't watch reality I TV know. like it's, that. Uh, I don't. I have
1: such conflicting feelings about the fact that, like, You get to a place in your career where, like, reality show is just, like, what you're supposed to do?
0: Yeah, but, like, I think they're my glow-up because, like, they, I, you know, they'd broken up and they were all Mm -hmm. doing their own thing. And then they each, they both respectively got back together as groups Mm -hmm. and started touring together. And the whole premise of the show is, okay... They also, they did a versus, one of those versus rap battles, oh, right. mm-hmm. uh, versus battles, and it went really well. The internet imploded and we're like, oh my God, come back. So then they started thinking about getting a tour together, and the premise of the show is, is the tour going to happen? So it's oh. a big question, which I think is really well marketed and really well So ca-
1: smart, because then when they eventually go on tour, they've done all the marketing for it I'm already.
0: going, so.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I will go with you. I yeah. mean, it's so a let me fix it, field okay. trip.
0: Okay. Um but I to your point about like at some point your career just goes the way of like needing to do a reality show to defibrillate it. Um, I think this is actually well-placed. I think I think it's smart of them to do it this way. Yeah,
1: I really think the, like, road to the tour angle is really smart. I would yeah. rather see a reality show where it's about your talent and your work versus a reality show where you're, like, going out to dinner. and like
0: <laughs> <laughs> Or, like, randomly, oh, what are you doing here? And your best friend happens <laughs> to be at the same bar. Like, you really think that I'm going to accept how this how on, premise?
1: I hate it. I hate how on every reality show, they're like, me and so-and-so have boot beef, so we're gonna go to dinner to talk about it. It's like no, that's not how it fucking happens. If you don't like the person, we're not gonna go to a restaurant to talk about also, it. Also,
0: like, you sidebar with them. You don't go somewhere in public to talk about it.
1: No, we're gonna go to a restaurant and I have like a full face of makeup on and a fucking evening <laughs> gown, <laughs> it's like Literally. three
0: o'clock on a Thursday. <laughs> All right, and I'm moving food around on the plate because I'm not eating, right? <laughs> and um, then they have
1: to do the confessionals where they're like, "In this moment, I was feeling like this." Like none of it's real.
0: It's so fake and produced. But we, again, we just go along with the premise, which I think yeah. is also crazy. The other thing yeah, but I want to say, this is about
1: their talent and this is about like their career and and I know some clips. I've seen some clips going viral. Viral because the escape girls have a lot of drama Yo, about, girl. like money and people and, stealing
0: like, money and oh, people's yeah. husbands influencing things mm-hmm. and here's a here's why i'm about it it's because like it's it's giving behind the music which yes. for those of you who you know, back when VH1 and MTV used to play music videos, <laughs> um, behind the music was this documentary TV show that gave you a little bit of a glimpse behind the artist, behind the yeah. big acts. So it's giving behind the music meets kind of the Real Housewives drama because you're getting mm. the history, you're getting all of the and some, like two of the escape girls are sisters, so you're getting that family drama. Um, it's it's really really interesting, and I think you might I'm mean, giving give it, give it a, a watch. It's it okay. kind of sucked me in.
1: Look at you, convincing me to watch a reality show. Okay. Mm. I'm going to try it.
0: You know what? So we want to hear from you. Who else do you think deserves a biopic? And I hope you're not calling it a biopic because if you learned <laughs> nothing during this episode, <laughs> it's a biopic. Uh, also, what did you think of our casting choices?
1: Or maybe you would like to suggest a TV show, a celebrity, or a brand that we should fix in a future episode. Hit us up on Instagram at FixItPod.
0: And as always, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Uh until next time, I'm Delon
1: and I'm Francesca. And this was And this was Let me Let me fix it.
0: <laughs> that stays.